A church moves and a singer reproves. It's Rhyme and Reason 750. Hey there, Tony here. Got a little story time for you today. Uh, first, I want to tell you that I'm, you know, before I get into this, and it looks like I'm just uh, slamming jamming, I'm always happy to celebrate when a church moves in the direction of rightly dividing the word of truth, as Paul said. But you almost never see that anymore. Sadly, you just really don't see that. Not very much. In fact, most establishments calling themselves churches, they move in the opposite direction of rightly dividing the word of truth. Sometimes the move is speedy. It happens to a church. They go, they go, they go in a bad direction quickly. And um, oftentimes it's slow enough to to be almost unnoticeable. Like when a report says a church moves by the hand of God, and that's physical, physical movement, the church building. Now, on the surface, that's not a terrible statement. After all, God could easily move a church to a different location just by telling it to be moved, right? He's God. And the church building is hardly a weighty matter to him. So, why would he need or want a flood from a hurricane to move a church? Okay, the TLDR, you know, too long didn't read answer, is he wouldn't. He wouldn't want or need a flood to move a hurricane. I mean, to move a hurricane. <laughs> he wouldn't need a hurricane to move a church. He wouldn't need that. He could just tell the church to be moved and be moved. But I'm going to share a story, like I said. Here's a report that I read about how God used the forces of nature to move a church from one location to another. It's a fairly long story, but I'm going to share a couple of points at the end, so stick with me here. Here, Here's the quote. I'm quoting this just as I saw it. I copied it and and, uh, put it here so I would, you know, just it would be just like they wrote it. I'm talking about, and this is in the quote, this is not me. I'm talking about a tropical storm that hit the coast of the United States over a hundred years ago in the year 1876. As far as I know, it was never given a name, but someone should have called it faith. They put quotes around faith because God used it to move a mountain. Well, not literally, but you'll see what I mean. I first heard this remarkable account from a worship leader who traveled with me in the ministry. He became aware of the story because one of his uncles pastored the church for a season, the church that was involved in the amazing miracle I'm about to share. It was a typical country church with long, white sideboards and a high steeple in a quaint coastal community known as Swan Quarter, North Carolina. At some point, it was named Providence United Methodist Church. I suppose because of the providential way it finally found its place in the world. The people in that region reminisce with travelers who come through the town, calling it the church moved by the hand of God. Let me give you the details. I'm still quoting here. This is Tony still quoting the article. The article continues, In 1874, a group of saints in that waterfront area decided to build a new gathering place for their growing congregation. The leadership felt impressed to place the building on a specific lot, 
prime property in the main area of town owned by a man named Samuel Slater. Unfortunately, when they approached Mr. Slater, he adamantly refused to sell them the property. So, they reluctantly opted for a different and less desirable location. Then, right before their dedication ceremony, the miracle happened. A hurricane came up the coast, and about five feet of water surged through their community. The historical account, varied on the Snopes website, reads, During September 16th and 17th of 1876, on the eve of the edifice's dedication, a hurricane blew through the area. Pamlico Sound engulfed Swan Quarter, sweeping the sanctuary off its foundation. A Providence United brochure tells what happened. A miracle was happening. The church was floating down the road. The church moved by the hand of God. It went straight down the road to a corner and bumped into a general store owned by George V. Creedle. The corner is now Oyster Creek Road and U.S. 264 Business. The building took a sharp right turn and headed down the road for about two blocks until it reached the corner of what is now Church Street. Then it moved slightly off its straight-line course, took another turn to the left, crossed the Carawan Canal directly in front of the place where people desired the church to be, and settled exactly in the center of the Sam Sadler or Sadler property, the site which had been refused before, and before it settled, witnesses said it miraculously rotated around to face the street, and there it would stay. Needless to say, Mr. Sadler changed his mind and sold them the property, property the church founders felt God wanted them to have at the start. Can you imagine the shouts of praise that went up to heaven when the congregants found out what God had done? The answer to their prayers gave fresh relevance to an age-old prophecy. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. From Nahum 1.3 In the wake of the devastation many have faced over the past weeks, in the U.S. and the Caribbean islands, we should remind ourselves of this verse and ask God to ease the pain, the loss, the hurt, by once again using such a tragedy of nature to somehow further his divine purposes in us. It may be very difficult for those who have lost so much to see the past the piles of soggy sheetrock, throwaway lumber, and piled up useless furniture. But we must believe that somehow, some way, our loving Heavenly Father will providentially move for those who believe. If He did it in Swan Quarter over a century ago, He can do it for you today. Okay, Tony here again. This is me, I'm not quoting anymore, and I hope your head is shaking back and forth in disbelief as you hear this, mine is as I read it, because that story might make an interesting tale around a Boy Scout campfire, but it shouldn't be shared by Christian adults who should know better. God does not, quote, further his divine purposes in us, unquote, by flooding our lands, destroying properties, and killing people. He doesn't further his divine purposes in us by doing all those things. Yeah, the story glossed over all that. Did you catch that? But here's what I'm talking about. The, you read the weather reports from 
1876 hurricane season, and you're going to discover a storm that killed at least 21 people, washed away a bridge, and damaged who knows how many properties. Yeah, right. All to make sure a church moves down the road. That doesn't sound like the same God who said, Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And that passage from the Old Testament prophet Nahum is a description of of God's awesomeness. It's not an explanation of how he uses nature to destroy people and property. I could just hear Charlie Brown, good grief. No, the one who calls himself the living water does not need to drown anyone to move a church. In fact, I believe he's way more interested in seeing how and if we'll move a church. Yeah, you can feel free to disagree, but you got to tell me why, because I don't see it. He's living, and he's life. He's personal to talk to. He's relational with every son and daughter. He's good, and so much more. He's loving to the core. Jesus is the living water. And each time a soul is saved, all the angels above sing. Our God is living, personal, relational, good, and loving. That's all for the Rhyme and Reason podcast. This is Tony, brought to you by TonyFunderberg.com, as always, and reminding you that life has rhyme and reason because God made you. There's a rhyme and reason for your life.